Let's open in prayer. Lord, we are so blessed to be under your control, under your salvation, under your work, under your worship, and to be sitting together as your family, your people. I pray that this morning, in these few minutes that we have, that God's word will be clear for us, and that you will be working in our midst for your glory. We have heard your testimony of what you have been doing in Eric and Sandy's life. And we are very, very thankful for that. And we want to further that work. We want our Lord Jesus to be exalted, to be magnified in us, through us. I pray this morning, in spite of the great limitations of the speaker, that you will speak to us, the word will be clear. Thank you for this time. For this occasion, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're looking at Colossians 3. I'm going to have to move kind of quickly. But in Colossians chapter 3, the, the, the passage that we've been kind of resting on and then dealing with the subject of putting on and putting off. And um, in chapter 3, Paul is talking about the ministry. Paul has been talking about uh, the ministry of putting on the new self and taking off the old self, which is uh, kind of a terminology like putting on a coat and taking off a coat is intended to tell us in modern Christian life, putting on Christian behavior, putting on things in our life that exalts the Savior. We've gone through a list, and because of time, I'm not going to read it again, but you can find it there in chapter 3, putting on and putting off these things that are part of, of growing in Christ. These are things that we do. The question arises, are we to do it, or does God do it? Are we responsible for putting on these things in our Christian life and putting on these actions, these things that are Christ-like? Uh, are we responsible for doing that? And are we responsible for how well they are instilled in our life? We had a list last time we looked at the list that was very similar to the fruit of the Spirit. Are we responsible for doing that? Or is God responsible for doing it? We know our Bible. We know the scripture well enough to know that we really don't have the capacity of doing that by ourselves. We know that God has to do it and put these things on. And yet at the same time, we know that he doesn't do it without our cooperation. And so as we come to today's text, which is verse 15 of chapter 3, we see, I think, where this connection, this loop over, this um, shift 
from just what God is doing, what we have to do to what God is doing is seen. If you look at verse 15, I'm going to read verse 15 through 17. That's our text today. And um, he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with gratefulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Those three verses there tell us how we are to respond. It doesn't tell us to make the peace of Christ, but rather let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. It doesn't instruct us to take the word of Christ, but rather let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And then he tells us at the end that whatever you do, do it all for God's glory. Do it unto him. Do it in surrender to him. Do it in connection with him. And so these are three verses that I think are clear indications that what we are doing and we're putting off the old man, the old sinful activities and the habits that we all have, that I have as well, that these things are to be done in cooperation with the Spirit of God and with his work. And so let's just look at them briefly. Uh, we only have a few minutes. He says, first of all, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts that is uh, present imperative it's command but it's a command to do this as a lifestyle that's to be a habit that the peace of christ rule in your hearts what does he mean when he talks about the peace of christ bible talks a lot about peace doesn't it a lot of references to uh, peace uh, and it is a it is a result if you will of our relationship with Christ. Um, at one point, we are told that the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. Another point, we shall say we have peace with God because the Bible says that all of us are spiritually dead. We're at war with the Lord. But once we come to faith in Christ, there is that hostility that has vanished and we now are united with him. And so we have peace. Verses like Acts 10, 36 come to mind, um, where Peter is at the home of Cornelius. He's talking about the gospel and how the gospel has been has reached from the Jewish community to the Gentile community. And he, Peter says, uh, as for the word which he sent to the sons of Israel, proclaiming good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. What does he mean there? He's proclaiming good news of peace. He's meaning that this good news of the gospel is no longer generating, uh, no longer having a hostile reception, but it's generating between the two that were hostile, now peace, generating peace as a commitment to each other. Ephesians said the same thing in a, even a clearer way in Ephesians chapter 4, where it says, For he himself, is our peace. He is our peace who made both groups, Gentile and Jews, one, and he broke down the dividing wall. The dividing wall alludes to a wall of the temple 
that petitioned off the court of the Gentiles from the areas that were accessible only to the Jews is symbolic in the text here, used a social, religious, and spiritual separation that kept the Jews and Gentiles from coming together to worship in the temple. That was that wall, that dividing. And here he's talking about Christ, who is our peace, has taken both Jew and Gentile and, and brought them together, and he's torn down that dividing wall of petition by abolishing in his flesh that enmity, that hostility of the law of commandments, that hostility that made us hostile to God and kind of set us at, 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 at odds with each other. He's, he's abolished in, the, in his flesh in his sacrifice and enmity of the law of commandments that was contained in ordinances so that in himself, he might create two out of one, two new men, Jews and Gentiles, and brought together into one, which is the church. And so he, that, that area of peace there is that area in which that hostility has been extinguished, if you will, and uh, we are at peace. Colossians 1.10, that's in the book that we're in, but back in chapter 1, he talks about through him, that is through Christ, uh, to reconcile or reconnect all things to himself, having made peace again through the blood of his cross. And so he is the one that has done that. He has brought that, that uh, peace to us, and he is the one that has enabled us to do that. He says in Philippians 4, if you want to look at this, this is a good verse to, to mark in this relationship. This is Philippians 4, 6, and 7, where he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. This is interesting because Paul is writing in prison. But he's telling his audience to rejoice in that. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your, my translation says consider it. Some of you will say uh, gentle spirit or moderate spirit or fitting spirit. Uh, let your considerate spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, who passes all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Let me talk about that for just a minute, because this is the key verse, talking about letting the peace of, of, of God work. Here he's talking in the context about strife and hardship and, and uh, pressure in your life. We all have it. Uh, and he says here, so let your gentle spirit in the midst of this crisis be obvious because the Lord is near. Be anxious for the big things, but not the little things. Be anxious for the little things, but not the big things. He doesn't make exceptions, does he? The word there is made ice, and it means nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Uh, let me give a word of personal testimony about that. Um, Larry asked me earlier if I was uh, working was hard and difficult and stuff like that. It's not, it's not hard work. I, I work at Lowe's part-time uh, as a cashier. And uh, it's not stressful so much because they let, let me sit down, so there's nothing hard about that. 
I get to talk to people and I enjoy that. I was outside in the garden this last two or three weeks and it gets kind of hot, but I have a fan right there on me, so it's really not bad. And it cools down in the evening and I've been working in the o'clock at night. So there's nothing difficult about that. But the pressure comes on me in doing the other things that I need to do, particularly with the church and with the camp. There's a lot of pressure on that to do that. And so I'm, I'm under... Uh, self-induced pressure maybe to try to fulfill the things I need to do because when I'm looking at a text of scripture it's hard for me. I have to read it and study it and, and try to make sense of it and most of the time I have to do it so a lot it just takes a lot and so I'm under a lot of pressure so I'm sitting there at work like this this week they don't like for you to, to be there um looking at your cell phone and stuff like that because you need to watch the word stuff like that but I'm out in Lonely Garden, and uh, there's I, sometimes I'll go for 45 minutes without a single person. So I'm there so I can put my my cell phone there. For, oh, I have Bible study after, and I can open it up and I can look at it while I'm watching the thing. And if people come up, I can put it down and talk. So it's not a big big deal. They know that. But I'm under a lot of pressure because I'm trying to become familiar with the text in the midst of some of these other distractions. This morning I got up. And I get up early, uh, which I don't always enjoy doing if I'm up late the night before, but I do it anyway. And I get up and, and after I take care of the cats, which of course has to be done first of all, <laughs> uh, and get all these other things done. Then I sit down and I get uh, the bulletins printed up and what I need to be done and try to study. And I have maybe a couple of hours of what I would do before I leave for breakfast. While I'm doing that, I'm really praying, and I just, I'm coming and sit down at the laptop, I really bow my head, and I just really say, Lord, I'm really desperate. Because I really need you, your direction, your help. I really need that. I just really, really need the help. And all of a sudden, it was the Lord, did, I didn't hear a voice, but I was aware the Lord was saying to me, you're desperate every time you come to the Lord. Because you don't have the capacity within yourself to really understand my truth and my word unless I give it to you. Mm -hmm. So you're always desperate. It's not just now. It's always. It's nothing really different between this morning and the previous morning and the morning before that and years and years and years. Your age changes. I get more forgetful. Uh, it gets more difficult to communicate. It's more uh, stressful at times because I don't. Uh, my body gets tired. I start taking, I don't know if you've had experience with taking naps in the middle of the day, but I do. And when I was a kid, I hated naps. There was nothing I hated worse. It was the punishment of all punishments. And let me take a nap because you, otherwise you're going to get polio. That was the thing. You get polio. So you didn't take a nap. So, uh, but anyway, so I have this, I have this pressure on me. And uh, as I was praying, all of a sudden the pressure was gone. I was aware that. The Lord is there and He's working. And I, as I was going through these verses, I realized that's exactly what He's talking about here. He said, The Lord is here. Don't, don't be, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, in prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses uh, all comprehension, will guard your hearts. The word guard is a military term that speaks, it will guard your heart to protect you from, from any kind of uh, other activity. He will keep it. Uh, calm. He will guard your heart 
uh, in your minds in Christ Jesus. And so what that verse is, what that verse is saying here is that you are to let God's peace give you wisdom and give you peace and comfort in the midst of struggle, in the midst of hardship. It's not, it's not the same thing as determining God's will. Sometimes we say, well, I wanted to do this and I knew it was wrong. I knew it was sinful, but I prayed about it and had peace. So it's okay. It's not okay. If you know it's wrong, it's wrong. But God does give us peace in the midst of storms for his glory, for his honor. And so that's one of the, the conditions there that we put on in the midst of strife is to, to recognize that God is there to put on that, that uh, peace. The second thing quickly is to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's, that's a good thought as well, uh, to abide in you. Uh, he won't abide, the word won't abide in you if you don't put it there, if you don't read it, if you don't study, you need to do that. This, this, this requires an uh, attempt on my part to put God's word there, but it also requires the confirmation of God to let the word bear fruit. Uh, I am really bad for reading Bible text, and after reading it, not knowing what it says. I have to go back and read it again. Sometimes I have to read it three or four times before my mind concentrates on the text because I'll read it, but I'll be thinking about something else. I'll be thinking about what's happening in the other room, or I'll be thinking about what happened at work, or I'll be thinking about something that somebody said to me or whatever, and, and I've lost the meaning of the text or whatever. So I have to do that. And so he says, let the word of Christ abide in you, to dwell in you, and to, to let it be um, the idea is let it be at residence in my life. Let God's word be at residence, be comfortable in my life is what he's what he's saying in there. And richly adds extravagance to that. It's not you can't. You can't be in God's word enough and digest it enough unless it is rich, unless it is abundant there. Now, I know I'm right getting near the end, but I want to talk about this in just a minute. This passage in uh, Colossians, which is Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with gratefulness in your hearts to God. That verse almost universal Bible scholars recognize that there is a parallel verse because of the wording of everything in the book of Ephesians. And the parallel verse in the book of Ephesians says, do not get drunk with wine, but that is dissipation or excessive, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another is almost the same terminology in songs and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. So you have these two verses. You can go back and read them. It's Ephesians uh, 2 18, uh, I mean, Ephesians 5 18, and this passage in Colossians 3 16. But what the point is in Ephesians, we are told to be controlled, not to be drunk with wine, but to be filled with the Spirit. In Colossians, we are told to let the Word of God dwell in us control us. And so what he's saying here is that this the, comparing these together, to be filled with the Spirit is to be controlled by God's Word. To be controlled by God's Word is to be controlled by His Spirit, to be filled with His Spirit. Those two work together. And it is true. If you take your Bible 
and you open it up, uh, the Spirit of God can take that. It's not just a process. We, we talk about that, the process of just reading through the Bible, but it's not just the process. It is the process that the Spirit of God takes and uses in your heart and your life, and that's important. And so that's the second point to which I'm rushing through. I know that the last one is to do all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever you do, that's the universal inclusive. That means there's everything, whatever you do, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he includes two things in that, what you say as well as your deeds. Remember that what you say comes out of your mouth. And remember that what comes out of your mouth comes out of your heart. Remember Isaiah when he stood before the Lord and he saw the Lord high and lifted up. Isaiah said, woe is me, I am undone. I have a dirty mouth. And I live among the people with dirty mouths. Now that doesn't mean that Isaiah happened to be a cursing prophet. I've heard some say that. It doesn't mean that. It means he saw that the sinfulness of his life was exposed through what came out of his mouth. And so uh, here he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you and whatever you say, but whatever you do, let it come under the control, the resident control of the spirit of God. Uh, and that you want to do everything under the name or in the name of the name. It's like a banner. It's like a flag that flies over the house of Jesus. Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Be thankful, be joyful and giving uh, God the glory. So when we talk about putting on and putting off, you're talking about letting these things take place, let God's peace control you and give you directions as you're studying these things, as you're applying these things. Make sure that you have room in your day for God's word to let the spirit of God take the word and apply it to your life and do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that would help to put care of these areas in which we're putting on and putting on. Now that's a lot, and I know it is. And it's a, it's yet it's the difference between really growing and being effective and not. And so, uh, and I'm called to to do this myself. And I am not the model as I should be of the perfect example. I don't. It's it's not not in me. I stumble. I do things that are stupid. Say things that are stupid. Uh, my dad used to say. Peter, it's better for people to wonder what you would have said than to wonder what you said and why you said it. And that's true. The same, and that's because I used to, my mouth and hand. It's always, I've always had a problem with that. And so it's, it's a, it affects me, and I need to repent, and it affects you, and you need to repent too. You really apply these things, putting on the Christ like attitude, taking off the old world nature things in your life, which are there. And which are not honored because let me close in prayer. Dear Father, sort of scared about these things have been under a lot of pressure as I shared earlier. And we can just trivialize these things and go on, but it isn't to be trivialized because no word is important. I pray that you'll help me. If no one else practices, if you'll help me practice these things and put them into practice, and help me to be honest to you. And Lord, I thank you for, I was talking earlier about the pressures, if I'm the only one in the world, the pressure, I'm not every person in this room, I'm the pressure Bible says, in the world, you'll have pressure. If you overcome the world. We know that. Help us to be faithful to you. Help us to 
come to you. Thank you in our hearts and minds. Seek those things that take said that the love we're trying to see in the white man. Help us pursue these things, to put these things on, and take off the old sinful nature which is there. <clears throat> help us, help us really to look like the Lord Jesus, to really reflect his glory in our lives. Thank you for this time. Thank you for these people. Thank you for the celebration this morning. We pray also for the dinner to follow. Thank you, bless it. And we pray in Jesus' name. Thanksgiving. Amen. Amen.